Welcome back to Pinstripe Pulse. The hot stove is heating up. Our heart rates are ticking up a little bit. We're building the Yankees 2023 roster from scratch. Thanks for coming back. Hello and welcome back to Pinstripe Pulse. My name is Liam. I'm joined, as per usual, by Jake. And we have our new friend here. J-Ray, want to introduce yourself to the people? What's up, guys? How you guys feeling? I am J-Ray. I am uh, the uh, the voice of the lineup for our baseball team, our Hurricanes. I'm a diehard Yankee fan. I'm ready to talk some Yankees with you guys. Yep, J-Ray's a ride or die, just like Jake and I, you know, from the boogie down himself. He's going to bring a lot of energy. He's going to bring a lot of intelligence about this team. Um, J-Ray and I were going through the emotions in the playoffs a bit. We're coming back from the Field of Dreams in Iowa in uh, O'Hare Airport in Chicago. We are watching that game four, desperately trying to find ways to watch it and, and stuff. But it's a good time. J-Ray's a very knowledgeable guy. I still remember being on that on that trip, man. That was, uh, that was a tough one for me. I didn't have enough connection, so... I was wondering if the Yankees were even going to win the game. I got on the plane, and then boom, my connection went out in the ninth inning. I was like, dude, I don't want to get off of this plane, and then the Yankees lost. It'd be a nice, uh, terrible end to my night. Dude, y'all were in Thank God they won that game four. <laughs> and Jake, how's it going, man? Pretty good, man. Can't complain. Just a dreary Sunday morning here, you know? But I'm um, just waiting for this hot stove to really heat up. Yeah. Um, and that'll get us into it. So we have a little activity planned for today. Um, so basically, we're going to draft the 2023 New York Yankees. Um, and this, this is not just our favorite Yankees. Um, so we have a little bit of a setup where we're, we're going to try. Um, we're going to pick the players who are under contract, our free agents. We're going to build um, based on expected salaries, you know, predicted arbitration and free agent numbers from there. Um, and we're going to try and stay under that 253 tax threshold that we believe the Yankees are going to try and stay under this year. So, yeah, we're going to go through and, and pick our players, um, you know, all the way from our number one top played guaranteed contract guys down to our prospects, our minor leaguers, our minor leaguers, you know, former Yankees that are free agents this year and um, all of baseball, the free agent list as a whole. So I have a little sheet. Um and I'll be showing it if you're joining us on YouTube throughout the throughout the podcast. I'll be showing that uh, here and there as we go through. Um, but let's dive into it. Um, so right here on the sheet, we're going to be drafting um, on the left our players that's going to fill in their positions, um, whether they have guaranteed contracts or not, and their salary. And we're going to build it from there. Um, Jake or Jay Ray, you guys have any questions before we get going? I'm good to go. I think we're good, yeah. Let's do this thing. Sweet. In that case, I'm going to kick it off. The first pick of the draft, I'm taking Garrett Cole. And I think that's pretty self-explanatory. Um, we've had our frustrations with Cole. Our home run issues with Cole were were evident throughout the regular season this year. But, you know, come playoff time, I said it on our last episode, uh, we won three games this postseason, and Garrett Cole is the reason we won two of them. 
Um, this guy shows up. He gives length. Um, he gives the bulk of the season. We haven't had to be worried about injuries at all with him. Um, he's a real gamer. He has a high salary, high guaranteed salary. I don't think we're planning on trading Garrett Cole anytime soon. I think there's a 150% chance that he's a Yankee next year. Fully agree. There's like not much. Uh, I, I love Garrett Cole, but just my biggest concerns is, you know, so growing up, I'm 24 years old. Um, the real only ace that I've ever seen on the Yankees has been CC Sabathia. So I didn't get to see no Roger Clemens. And Garrett Cole to me, while he has been great at moments, I've been waiting for that, you know, that real Cy Young season. I want to see that 21 wins. I want to see what he did in Houston in year two where he was absolutely, I would say he was easily the best pitcher in baseball, even though I think Justin Verlander won the Cy Young that year. I want to see that version of Cole. I feel like we've gotten so many inconsistencies out of him, like you said, Liam, with the home run ball. You know, I feel like, I, I guess you don't necessarily know what you're going to get from him, what version of this ace you're going to get, you know? Yeah, and that's a really good point because, you know, I think when we're when you're paying an ace, you give them that much money because they can guarantee you what Garrett Cole gives you, that bulk, that length. But when you give a contract like what we gave to Garrett Cole, you're expecting at least a season or two of that real high upside stuff. Um, and Garrett Cole has kind of yet to show us that. You know, in 2019 in Houston, it was just dominance. It was scary. You know, when Garrett Cole was on the mound, I feared facing against him with our Yankees lineup then. Um, he doesn't give that fear factor necessarily. He, you know, he kind of guarantees you a pretty solid outing. But yeah, we'd love to see like a Cy Young Garrett Cole season. Yeah. Cole is a very interesting case because his stuff is still fantastic. I mean, it's insane how he's able to maintain velocity through the sixth, seventh inning. You know, like he'll be sitting still 98, 99 sometimes at the end of the game. His, I think his biggest fatal flaw at this point is that sometimes he tries to challenge batters a little bit too much and he leaves fastballs middle-middle, <laughs> which you can't do simply against good batters. Like, that just can't happen. Um, but, like, that's what kills his ERA. He's going to hit, like, give up a few home runs here and there. But at the end of the day, as, as an ace, he is kind of doing his job by giving us 30 to 32 starts a season at least 180 innings, you know, sub 3-5 ERA. Obviously, we want those numbers to go down a bit, but he's mm. right there. So then I got a question for you two. We're paying him a lot of money. Obviously, the money we're paying him is a, you know, probably a top five pitcher in the MLB kind of money. Is he a top five pitcher in the league? Yes. Easily? I think yes. Okay. I don't yeah. think the last few like seasons. Well, I guess maybe last season, but – his performance hasn't been there, but I think if you look at projectability, I think he'll always – I don't think he can – he'll have a season that's like – yeah, ability-wise, yes. Performance-wise, I think it's been yeah. no, but guys jump him, but then they also have worse seasons than him. Okay. Yeah. See, I'm and with you there when ability-wise, yeah. And he's so durable. Like, I mean – so many pitchers have gone down with little oblique injuries and, you know, shoulder stuff. Look at DeGrom the last few seasons. He hasn't been able to stay on the field, even though he's undebatably the most talented pitcher in the league. Um, so just to watch him, you know, go through an entire season and be able to give five to seven innings consistently, obviously, like, that should be closer to six to seven out of an ace. But 
I mean, he's doing the thing every week for them, every five days. So um, hopefully the results start to show this season. And I think with uh, Jose Trevino and him having that connection right now, I think they're in a good place. All right. Um, Jake, you have pick number two. Awesome. Am I going free agent or am I going uh, on team? Can't go free agent yet. Free okay. agent will free agent after we get below this yellow line right here. So we're oh, going gotcha. nine like contracted Yankees and then and then free okay. agents. So with my pick, I'm going with the second second ace of the Yankees in my opinion, and that is Luis Severino. The dude has looked awesome coming back this season. His stuff looks better than ever. He looks like a craftier, more intelligent pitcher uh, coming back from TJ. We never really knew how he was going to pan out after that injury. And he came in this season and shoved. Uh, they put him on that extended 60-day IL for a while. And he came back better than ever because he just – you could tell he was ready to go for a hot minute there. But he's got a three, four-pitch mix that is devastating, and his fastball's got just as much life to it as uh, Garrett Cole's. So, yeah, he's my pick. I love Sevy so much, man. Dude, he's so good. Like, I've always said, too, that he reminds me so much of Cole. Of Cole? Like, in terms of stuff-wise, of Garrett Cole. Like, their stuff is very similar. Mm. And I thought, like, one of the benefits of bringing Cole onto the pitching staff in the first place would be to help kind of develop Sevy. And I think it has. Yeah, Sevy is special, man. That my, my favorite part of the Cashman Boone pressers was – the one answer that Cashman gave was, are you going to opt in to Severino's team option? And it was just, yes. Simple as that. He's been uh, he's been real solid for us. Yeah, I think that he's a dynamite pitcher. He is our number two. He's essentially our second ace at the moment. Um, pair him with Cole, and like you've got two power arms who are both able to be crafty and kind of beat you in different ways. Um, I think he's only going to get better the more he pitches because he's what he had two years of no activity due to all those injuries and then the COVID season. So he's hungry. He's ready to go. He's ready for a full 28 to 30 games to start next season. And um, we should all be excited about it. Yeah, a healthy Sevy is a is a 15 win, potentially 200 strikeout kind of guy. That's but that like I, I told Jake before, the biggest concern with Sevy is just simply him staying healthy. Are we gonna be able to get twenty-five plus starts out of him? I'd say thirty is a stretch because of uh his track history. So I'd be happy with twenty-five. Yeah, I think twenty-five is that sweet spot. Yeah. Um and the, even still I think he can in twenty-five starts, I think he can give, like you said, J Ray, like the the two hundred K um kind of pitcher. And one thing I really enjoyed watching from Sevi is um, he seems to have gotten a lot craftier. Um, he's he's figured out how to play his emotions into his favor. I think there were times when he was younger um, on the big stage where he would kind of get overwhelmed by the moment. Um, but I, I think, uh, especially you can see Trevino's impact in that too, behind the plate, um, that he's learned how to how to sequence a bit better, you know, not just to power, overpower guys, but to his pitch mix um, and his approach to hitters has been really cool. It's been one of my favorite pitchers um, in recent memory for the Yankees to watch. And I um, I think he projects really well going forward, you know, had some concerns about injury. I hope it stays away, but 
you know, Luis Severino at 15 million a year is a bargain for the Yankees. I, I think also one thing that helps Sevy's case now is he doesn't have to be the guy. You know, in 2017 and 2018, he was clear and obviously our, our best pitcher in the rotation. Now he has Cole and Cortez there. He doesn't have to, you know, go out there with the game on the line. He can, you know, he's he's the number three in my opinion. I think he's our number three. I think Cortez earned his spot as the number two pitcher on this team. And what a number three to have, because he ha- he has ace material. You know, <laughs> that, that's a good spot to be in. He's got that dog in him. All right, J Ray, you got pick number three. Pick number three. Okay. All right, this this guy that I'm about to pick, I've had uh, a love-hate relationship with him, but I'm going to roll with him because he steps up when it matters most in the postseason. I'm going to go with Giancarlo Stanton. I mean, when the guy first came in, nobody's handled New York better than him. He's he's taken the boos. He's understood them. Whenever he's playing poor, he, he takes accountability for it. But when he's hot, that guy is on fire. And he showed us in October that guy's ready to play. So – I love Giancarlo Stanton, and he's not no longer just a DH to us anymore. Him being willing to play the outfield, and I feel like him playing the outfield, he's even said it, it helps him at the plate. So I love Big G. I think uh, the contract when he first got traded to us is a little bit scary. It's what is this guy going to be at the tail end of it? But I feel like every single year, he's just he's a, he's a real Yankee. I think he he wears the pinstripes well. He represents us pretty well. So I like Big G. Giancarlo is a guy who I, I've i seen a little bit more who's come around in the heart of Yankees fans. I think if you're really in it with the team like we are, you're less likely to be reactionary about some of Giancarlo's stuff. No, ultimately, um, he gives great attitudes. Uh, he has a really professional approach. Um, and the moment isn't too big for him. Um, you know, we can see that he can really play in New York. You know, he is a high strikeout, high home run guy. Um and he's delivered on many occasions, you know, and not last year down the stretch to get us into the postseason. He had some massive home runs this year. He had a huge home run to send us to the ALCS. Um, the 2020 year, Stanton went off in that postseason. I, I think he's shown that he's really there for the moment. He's going to have his stretches because he has an unorthodox approach and, and swing style where when he's not feeling it, he's going to be out. But, you know, all it takes is a little bit of spark under Stanton, and he can he can light a blaze any pitching staff, any any team in MLB. He's the definition of a stone cold cold killer in the way that he just kind of carries himself. He's so stoic, but at the same time, you can tell that he's just ready to explode and be productive. He just wants to help the team. Um, I think we saw that the best in the game that Judge hit his 60th home run, actually where he was, what, 0 for 4, Liam, with 4Ks. Looked bad. Game. Real bad. And um, looked terrible. And, like, we were even debating, should they take him out? Should they pinch hit him? I forgot what the bench looked like that day, but there were other options there. Um, and they decided to roll it out with him in the ninth inning. And bases loaded, you know, and it's like, well, this is his shot. This is what he's good at. And what do you know? He just hits a bomb to left field. And uh, that's what we've gotten so used to seeing from him. He handles the adversity like better than just about any other player I've seen in New York City do it. So this is a guy that I am more than happy to pay that money to for 
what, until 2027. Um, in hindsight, it's not that bad of a contract compared to some of the current ones that are rolling out. Yep, till 2027 with a club option for 2028. So in uh, in five years from now, that'll be an interesting conversation with Stanton. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I'm super excited to see. I, I would love to see a healthy season out of Giancarlo and Judge together because, I, you know, when we first traded for him, I expected to see a bunch of 40 home run seasons from the both of them combined. So I, I really hope that in 2023, if we re-sign Judge, uh, my fingers are crossed on that one, that we get finally get to see that that version of them too. Yeah, if, if you told me when we when we traded for him that we'd have a 90 homer Judge Stanton season, I wouldn't have been phased. I would have been like, yeah, that's kind of what we expect. Um, but it sucks that that had to come on the back of Judge hitting 60 and Stanton hitting 30. Know with his with his injuries, but I mean, we in in theory, and you no, know, we'll we'll get to judge later, I imagine. But um, they could hit a hundred homers, which is which will be one third of the major league record for a team, which is insane to think about. But that's what Stanton has in him. Meanwhile, Cleveland will hit like forty total. <laughs> <laughs> When building the sheet, I was looking at, um, I was looking at the guaranteed salaries that we owe players, not even just this year, but next year. So you take out every ARB eligible player and just the guaranteed major league contracts, and we have a higher payroll next year from like four players or five players that have contracts than Cleveland has this year. Um, it's nuts, but insane. That aside, we'll get into we'll get into all that over this offseason um i'm gonna i have pick number four um i'm gonna take our platinum glove winning catcher behind the plate jose trevino um i think he needs to take a lot of credit for the yankees pitching resurgence this year um it's a noticeable difference you can watch in the game especially going from gary sanchez to to trevi um and higgy's a plus defensive catcher but jose trevino is something different he also gave us a lot more than we could have expected offensively. Um, you know, he won the Platinum Glove for a good reason. Um, all the eye test, all the stats back up Trevino being the most impactful defender in the American League this year. And I don't think it's particularly close. We love his locker room presence. Um, it, it comes out that he's a leader of this team. And I think he's back without a doubt. Yeah, no, I think he's back without a doubt, too. I think it says a lot. I don't know if you guys saw what Jameis Tyone tweeted, but I'll read it for you guys uh, after Trevino got awarded the Platinum Glove Award. Uh, Tyone says, insanely well-deserved, fun to watch, work so relentlessly this year. Thank you for all your hard work and next-level preparation all season long. The big part is, you made our jobs a heck of a lot easier. And that says a lot after a couple of years of us dealing with Gary Sanchez behind the dish. So instant impact with Trevi. I don't think any of us expected him to be an all-star, uh, expect this kind of impact when we acquired him early in the season. I think, uh, yeah, Trevi's definitely back, man. I, I think he's a Yankee through and through. His energy was, you could see it in the lineup. I remember he had a walk-off single one game and just the energy around the guy. You could tell he's beloved among this team and uh, he's loved by the fan base too. Dude, he is so good. He's as a catcher, just watching the way that he frames pitches and just calls a game is is amazing. Um, 
he's so smooth back there, and he was exactly what this team needed. It's crazy to think that Ben Rorkvet was supposed to be the starting catcher, essentially platooning with Higgy to start the season. And Ben, you know, completely goes MIA with his injury or string of injuries. Not really sure on the full situation. Hopefully he's healthy for next season. But, um, I mean, Jose came in as like an emergency get, and man, did he deliver. He was picking off guys left and right. He was calling just perfect games through and through. And we never had this kind of confidence behind the plate um, in the Gary Sanchez years. Like, no hate to Gary, but, man, <laughs> we never saw anything like that with him. Um, he would deliver offensively, and then you could just tell that there was a lack of confidence for pitchers to throw to him. So this is something that we haven't really gotten to experience of recent memory. And I do think that he's going to get better as a batter. So, like, that's a great pick. All right, Jake, on to pick number five. Let's do it. So – this might be a little bit of a hot take, but I have, for my pick, the, um, the starting center fielder of the foreseeable future for, I'd say, the next six to eight years, uh, Harrison Bader. This dude was a hell of a spark plug for us um, when we needed him to be. He, there was a lot of controversy around you know, that trade. Um, I know me and Liam were kind of looking at each other pretty satisfied with the way that the trade deadline was going. Um, up until the last five minutes. And then we see that Jordan Montgomery was traded to the St. Louis Cardinals. And then we see even more beyond that, he was traded for an injured Harrison Bader. And I kind of had a giddy little laugh because I felt like he was going to be for the greater good eventually, but I did not expect him to have the impact that he had this offseason. This dude, something clicked with him. His power gene kind of just... It was there. He um, he figured out his stride. He figured out his swing. And he had, what, five homers this postseason? Insane. And on top of that, the dude just covers center field better than anyone out there. His reads on the, uh, on the base path is just remarkable. Um, the way that he runs the bases, he has so much intensity, but at the same time, he's smart, and he really does kind of pay attention and lock in on all the little nuances that are going on in front of him. This is a guy that the Yankees should and could absolutely lock up for the long term. Yeah, I think everybody loves Harrison Bader. The guy's a New Yorker, too. He's a Bronx kid or Bronxville. So (laughs) Harrison Bader, I think for us, it's much like what I said about Gary Sanchez. We haven't had a center fielder, you know, that that can do the same things that, that Harrison Bader can. You know, Aaron Hicks, so inconsistent. Uh, we were all just waiting for him to make another step or, or stay healthy and get a little bit of con- consistency out of him in the in the box, and we never got that. But with Harrison Bader, we're getting a, a clear-cut gold-glove center fielder, and the guy's, the guy's pretty stocky. I know he has a little bit more pop in himself than what he normally puts up in the regular season, and we got to see a little bit of that in the postseason. Um, I could see him batting in the top of the Yankee Lord or the, or the very bottom of it to be like that second leadoff guy for, for years to come. I mean, I don't know if he'll be the center fielder for six to eight years. We got a young guy named Jason Dominguez coming up, hopefully in a few years. That's true. That's true. Yeah. No, Bader's impact can be seen and felt all throughout the team. Um, I saw a TikTok recently of this 
15-year-old girl who got into baseball. She's from St. Louis. Um, and she did like a recap of her year going to cards games. And Harrison Bader became like her favorite player immediately. And she had like a 10-second video of her sobbing when they traded Bader away. And, um, you know, you understand because you can see not only his play on the field. You guys spoke to his power and his glove. Um, but his energy, man, and his his instincts on the field, like as a base runner, it you no, know, he just has that instinct and he has that speed. Um, he has that that passion, that fire. You know, he really embraced the postseason moments. Like we had some massive home runs. Um, J Ray and I were getting looks from people on the security line at O'Hare Airport when Bader went deep in that Cleveland game. We're watching on our phones and we're giddy, jumping up and down as we're about to go through security. Um, and yeah, no, he, he brings some different energy to this team, um, and a, a great, a great glove and an awesome bat who's serviceable at the top of the lineup. And if he's a bottom of the lineup piece, this is a, that's a complete Yankees lineup. Y'all are on a TSA list because of him. <laughs> I, I, I held back from yelling, uh, Bader bomb. That would have been pretty bad if I yelled that on the security line. Would have been a long day. <laughs> <laughs> On to number six, J Ray. Right, I'm up. Yep. Okay. Uh, all right. This guy is probably he's my favorite Yankee. Uh, my favorite Yankee in a very long time. I'm gonna go with DJ Lemayhew. I think uh, we can all agree that he was probably the most missed bat on that postseason team this year. Not having him in that lineup, there's just so many holes. He, he is that one guy that you can always count on. I mean, I could take you guys all the way back to 2019, the home run he hit against Houston. There's nobody you want in the box when it matters most more than DJ LeMahieu. So not having him on the, on the postseason roster was definitely a tough pill to swallow. I mean, I know he wanted to be out there, but I guess, it, you know, taking care of your body is more important. So, But DJ LeMahieu, when he's on the field, what he brings to this team – can play second base, can play first base, can play third base, and you know what you're going to get from him day in and day out. You're going to get a tough at bat. He's going to put the ball in play. And while, yeah, he's not the MVP that we saw in his first two years with the squad, he's still valuable, and I still believe he is the best. I, you know what? I'd go as far to say, yeah, I think he's the best hitter on this team when healthy. Pure hitter. Yeah, we had issues with the top of the lineup bats in the postseason. Um, and you really felt DJ's absence. You know, when when his legs are healthy and his legs are under him, like he, he's spraying gap to gap. You know, he doesn't have that home run power necessarily. Um, but he gets behind and he hits laser singles and can find that that double down the left field line and gap to gap. Um, you know, even DJ giving us like a two eighty season um with with his approach, the way he works at bats, you know, in front of it's Ben Judge and wh whoever that is going forward. Hope I hope it's Judge personally, um, but you know, just setting that table at the top of the lineup, being that impact utility defensive glove, um, it really ha missing DJ really hurts, and I, I think he's a really important part of this team. I think it's a good contract at the fifteen million a year. For what he can give you know even with his injury issues if he gives a full season 15 it's a bargain um i've said it for a while but dj swing is the closest i've seen to Derek jeter from 
this like modern era of baseball players. I love that inside out swing. He gets into his legs really well. Um, when he's on, he is as good of an opposite field hitter or just your hitter, as Jay Ray said, as anyone. Um, the only thing that does concern me is the core injuries, you know, like that, that sports hernia that he had a few years ago. You can just tell that it was really impacting how he would roll over the ball and just be prone to that double play ball because he doesn't have that speed to uh, counter that. So, like, that hurt him quite a bit. And then this foot injury, obviously, is a little bit of a cause for concern as well. Hopefully that's resolved by the start of the season. But he is a guy that we've got locked into contract. Not on a crazy deal. Um, he needs to be that veteran presence next year to lead by example. And I think he will be. I think that if, as long as he's able to play 145 games, 140 minimum, um, this is a guy that can really impact both sides of the ball for us. And what a guy to have, uh, you know, usher in the new era of a bunch of these middle infielders that we have coming up in Volpe and Peraza. I think, you know, having him there really, they could he can take them under his wing. I, I would love for them to learn from DJ. You know, for the next couple of years, we got a couple mini LeMayhews in the lineup. I'd be happy with that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, between the bat and the glove, like Manny Machado talks about how impactful J.J. Hardy was on his defensive preparation. And, you know, J.J. Um, Hardy, like an, an unorthodox, but really solid top of the league defensive shortstop. Um, it makes an impact on these guys, just having that model professional. All right. I'm going to jump into pick number seven, and we're going to we're going to go quickly through these last three because then we're going to get into some free agent trade, and we can also retain some more Yankees after this round. Uh, I'm going to take Nestor Cortez. Nestor has been a revelation, man. Um, you know, Jay, Ray, you said it before. We can view Nestor as the number two on this team. Um, I went to game five of that ALDS with Nestor on the bump on short rest, and I was confident. And we're like, all right, we hope that he can give us three or four. He gave us five solid innings. Um, Nestor is who I have the most confidence in his versatility and his adaptability to different situations because, you know, he's not a one-stop shop, repeatable pitcher. You know, he, he has that hitch in his delivery. He can change things up. Um, he doesn't have blow away stuff, but man, Nestor has been crafty. He spots, he hits his locations um, and he's just fun. He's a fun watch and he's, he's a fun player on this team. Absolutely. Dude is an athlete. <laughs> I think that that gets overlooked so often, but like what he's able to do with his body to make all those quirky little, you know, pivots and just weird leg kicks, like that's impressive as hell. That's some gymnast level shit. And um, he, he has done something. He's really perfected his craft to a way that he can pitch for a long time and keep guys off balance for a very long time. Because he makes his 92, 93 look like 96, 97 up in the box. Um, he knows how to change eye levels. He knows how to mix in the cutter with the slider. And it's all kind of coming from, I know tunneling is so important nowadays. Like you want everything to come out of the same tunnel. He can tunnel out of four different tunnels. <laughs> like the dude drops down at any given moment and he's able to make that look good. So he, that type of dynamics, you're not really able to teach just any pitcher. He's been so kind of go with the flow with like he knows his own personal strengths as a pitcher and he's completely honed in on them and I think he's going to have a very important pivotal piece for this team for a while yeah I don't think any of us expected Nestor to be what he is now but 
man, I'm sure glad he is because the energy that guy brings, there's nobody I root for harder than, than Nestor Cortez now. 100%. All right, Jake, it, you got pick uh, number pick eight. Now? All right, sweet. So I'm, I'm a little torn on this one because I'm going with – I'm looking between two reliever arms, and I think I'm going to settle on my guy, Mike King. Um, this dude is awesome. He is a dog. He, you know, works very hard with Adam Adovino in the offseason to really perfect what he does with the baseball in his hand. Um, he has kind of that sidewinder, throws across his body feel but still can lay it in there at 96, 97 with the two-seamer or the four-seamer. Um, he has perfected his clue ball that Corey Kluber taught him a few years ago. And that pitch is going to play a big factor in him being a long-term, like, wide reliever. The dude can go multi-innings <laughs> several times, um, you know, throughout the season. I think he is the most dynamic reliever the Yankees currently have in their system, and they have to – kind of make him the centerpiece moving forward. So once he's back from that injury, expect to see a lot of him. Yeah, losing Michael King early in the season, that was a big blow because, man, what a revelation that guy was having. What a great season. I, I mean, I would love to see a full season's worth. The reason why – so I would pick him too, but I just – you know, this was his uh, first year. This was like his big breakout, I would say. So I don't know. I would love to see that continue. I don't know if it's sustainable because I feel like with relief pitchers, you just never know what you're going to get. You know, uh, one yeah. year it can be amazing. The next uh, it's ugly. I really believe some the saying, I think relievers do grow on trees. I think you can find them anywhere. But I mean, none like Mike King. So I'm not I don't want to disrespect the guy. I just want to see it more consistently. For sure. I get that, too. And like the thing with him is I do think that he has the ability of they really wanted to they like he could turn into a starter because he does have four pitches that he can throw at any given moment you know it's not like he's a one-trick pony or even like a two-pitch pitcher um the way he's able to switch up his looks and throw from like he is really only using one tunnel as opposed to Nestor but he makes every pitch look the same until that last millisecond and He's shown that he can command it too. I think that's the biggest thing. Is he like Clay Holmes had a lot of issues with his command and all that throughout the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, I don't think walks were ever an issue for Mike King. And I think that as long as he comes back healthy, he's going to be able to hop into several different roles for the Yankees. True. Yep. Yeah, Mike King was top five in reliever war this year, um, and he didn't pitch past the All Star break. A uh, really special arm something we desperately missed in the postseason. You know, I don't think Clark Schmidt is closing that game in Cleveland if Mike King's on our roster. Um, all right, J-Ray, on to pick number nine. Okay. All right, so then I'm, I'm going to follow your lead, and I'm going to go with the – I'm going to touch on the bullpen here. But I'm going to go with our closer. I'm going to go with Clay Holmes. Yeah. I don't know if he'll be our closer next season, but um, while he had an ugly July and an ugly August, the rest of the, the, rest of the way he did look uh, – J-Ray's thoughts on Clay Holmes are brought to you by no one because we don't have any sponsors yet, but we could if you give us a follow at Pinstripe Pulse Pod on Instagram, at Pinstripe underscore Pulse on Twitter. Uh, Give us a follow, like our stuff, promote our content, whether that be our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your pods, or on YouTube. You know, give us a comment, subscribe. Share with all of your Yankees following family and friends, and maybe we'll get some sponsors. Also, it's brought to you by Nobody because 
I was kicked out of the recording and I accidentally took about a minute and a half out of the recording, which we don't have captured. So you're not going to hear J Ray's thoughts. If you want to hear his thoughts, DM him at J Ray King 12 on Instagram. Um, and yeah, I'm going to lead us back in the middle of Jake's sentence. All right. Thanks. Bye. There's a lot of moving parts when he throws, but when he's on everything, is so compact that it is such a fluid motion that he is getting perfect separation on that, you know, fastball on his delivery. So when he's landing, his arm is cocked back perfectly and he's able to really drive through since he's coming pretty much straight over the top, which is, it just makes the fact that he gets that much arm side run on his two seamer that much more spectacular. Um, so yes, I completely believe that he's a field-based guy that can get it together this offseason and really figure out how to throw effectively for a consistent 60 to 70 game. Do you see him as our closer? You see, I've got one other guy that he hasn't been picked yet. I don't want to spoil it, but there's someone that I think who has been on the team a little bit longer who might be deserving of that role, who has very similar stuff. And his name rhymes with okay. uh, Ronnie Rawizaga. <laughs> if that provides enough of a hint clay was really great this year um i definitely agree with you believing and taking him back for next year um he was really great until he wasn't and then he was really tough it got to the end of the season i think we saw what clay holmes is come postseason um and you know he's a really big frame real power sinker um and it helps get laid outs, man. If, if he can locate it, um, that was always his problem in Pittsburgh. And Pirates fans were perplexed by how well he did in New York because he because uh, he was locating so well. Um, I think Clay has the tools to be a really good back-of-the-bullpen arm. Um, and I'm excited to have him back. Nice. All right. Yeah, so I think it's fully your pick now. Cool. So now we got a new section. Um we have this yellow line here on our sheet. I'm not going to share my screen anymore because of the internet. But um, so what we have now from picks 10 on, we can retain current Yankees like we've been doing. Um, we can trade away current Yankees um, and propose a trade from there. Or you can sign free agents. Um, but yeah, number 10. So Jay Ray, you're going to start with the first pick and we're going to go in reverse order now. Okay. All right, so I think this one's easy. I think if any of you guys had this pick, you would all pick the same one. Uh, we got to bring back number 99. Bring him back. I do not want to see that man wearing another uniform in my life. Get that guy under contract. Make that guy the captain of the Yankees. Aaron Judge has been everything that we could have ever imagined him to be when we saw him burst onto the scene in 2017. I think... This season, we saw what he is as a complete hitter. Uh, him batting above 360 bombs. Uh, dude, these are these are numbers I put up in MLB The Show. This isn't literally. This wasn't. Numbers, this yeah. is insane. This the kind of season that he put up, and I would be very disappointed. And I would go as far to say, man, <laughs> this is a fireball offense if you don't get Judge back in pinstripes. I do not want to see him. So I make it my mission to go to opening day every year. I do not want to see him playing for the San Francisco Giants on opening day. 
Dude, I would cry. I, I think I would actually cry. Um, <laughs> not even kidding. Uh, he had the most well-rounded season of probably any player since the steroid era. Like, that's not an exaggeration. I mean, you can yep. maybe bring up Albert Poulos in his prime, but this was better than that. The dude had a better season than when A-Rod hit 57 bombs and 142 RBIs for the uh, Rangers. This is something that is unprecedented in this modern era of baseball. Um, and the fact that he played center field for half the season, or more than half a season at this point, like just kind of shows how athletic and capable he is of just doing whatever's needed of him to succeed. Um, this guy, he had a thousand fielding percentage. We, we touched upon this last episode, but that's unreal. He had not a single error in the field um, between two different positions that are both pretty high leverage. How many home runs did he rob? He provides so much value on both sides of the field. And um, it's truly just a, a pleasure to watch him game in and game out do what he does. You know, you, you mentioned something um, saying, you know, this amazing season, probably the best season, you know, with steroid era and all that. Forget that. All the greats that have ever played for the New York Yankees, this is probably the greatest offensive season in Yankee history. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Yep. Easily, probably. Yeah. I think he goes eight years, 320. What do you guys think? I think that gets it done. You think that gets it done? Certainly. I think that the Giants are going to be the most competitive team out there. Obviously, um, they've come out and said that they were going to be. And I think that 40 mil is the pure, uh, like the bare minimum of what he would accept for eight years. I think that if the Yankees are aggressive about it and make it clear to him, like, hey, this is your team, you're the captain, I think he takes that. They might have to go to 42 million if they want to stay at eight years, but I think that 40 for eight ultimately gets it done a ninth year a hundred percent gets it done but obviously that's where more risk comes in getting him for that ninth uh that ninth year going into his age 40 season eight years 320 i could see it even higher than that if you're gonna keep it at yeah eight years i could see them going up to three 340 jeez it's unreal because somebody's gonna pay i mean texas has big money san francisco has big money uh who else is in the running? The Dodgers have big money. A, a lot of people can cough up the bag here just to drive the price up for the Yankees, you know? So mm -hmm. it's definitely going to be a big contract. There's always going to be someone that's willing to spend irresponsibly, I'll put it that way. Exactly. And if that means overpaying for a generational player, then, like, so be it. I'm going to go in and change his – AAV to 41 million. That sound about right instead of 38. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's definitely more than 40. Or at least 40. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Jake, you got pick number two. You can retain, you can sign, you can trade. All right, so there's one guy that I think is a pretty obvious pick for who is the uh, perfect compliment to judge, and that's his BFF, um, Anthony Rizzo. They have a fantastic, like, 
dynamic in the clubhouse that is it just is so clear when you're watching them on television. These guys do love each other, and I think that he also provided some stability at first base that we haven't seen because, um, I mean, obviously Luke Voigt did great things for us in the 2020 season, but he was not ultimately that guy that like, really held down that position. Um, Anthony Rizzo has so many intangibles that he brings to the game that just really ring through through his the way that he plays and the way that he carries himself. I think this is a guy that you can probably get on an affordable two to three years with a player option for about 16 to 18 million a year. And hopefully that gets it done. Yeah, I think Anthony Rizzo is a perfect person for the Bronx. His swing just, just plays so perfect for that stadium. Since we acquired him last season, I think nobody has, has filled that, that first base void uh, quite like Rizzo. I mean, we haven't had a first baseman really since Teixeira. I mean, no shot at Voight because he had some uh, solid seasons, but we got it. This is a true first baseman. This is a gold glover. This is a champion. And uh, you see that every day he's on the field. You see it in the postseason. He steps up. Last year, he showed why batting average is not the best way to measure a player's impact. Um, between his defense, um, his, his approaches at the plate, the way that he's able to work walks, he, he changed some of those foul ball shots into homers last year um, by shifting in the box. I think next year with the shift being gone and the Rays aren't playing four outfielders on him or having that, you know, having that guy in, in short right field, um, I think Rizzo is going to go back up to his high contact numbers, which is why we signed him. You know, even hit, hitting 220 this year, um, Cashman and Boone and I still consider him um, a high contact bat to our lineup. Um, and him being able to give that pop, um, that leadership to that team, that energy, um, being absorbing every throw that goes wide at, at first base. Um, you can see his impact. It's really felt in this team. And I think, you know, they gave him the qualifying offer of what, 19.8, I think it is this year. Um, yep. Jake, I'm with you. I think he goes for three years, like, you know, 17, 18 AAV, um, just to get that security. Yeah. And I, and I think back. giving him that qualifying offer was a great call just because, um, now they at least yep. have those draft picks that they get compensated for if he does go somewhere else. So I think that was all in all the right move. I'm going to jump into pick number 12. Um, here I'm going to go. I'm going to go prospect, and I'm going to go um, Oswald Peraza is back in our team next year. We can go at nauseum about the shortstop situation from this year. We did it a little bit on our last episode. Um, I think Peraza um, and Boone would agree showed the tools in September and of the postseason to be a great professional. I think at minimum, he's a utility guy in our infield. I think he even has the shot at the starting shortstop position, especially with, I think Volpe is still maybe a few months away from joining this major league roster. He's going to start the season in AAA. Um, I think Peraza has all the tools to be a major league shortstop. He has um, some pretty decent approaches at the plate for a rookie I like last year. Defensively, I think he's pretty sound. Um, I think giving him a full year of run and starting on this opening day roster could be huge. Whether he's the starting shortstop or not, I would put him there. I don't know if they will. We'll see how the whole IKF scenario goes, but I think Peraza makes this team. 
Yeah, I think that's an excellent pick. Um, this kid came out and proved that he can play with the big boys. I think that he has all the necessary tools needed in order to provide this team with the stability at the shortstop position for the first time since D.D. Gregorius. And he is going to be a, either a staple of this team for the distant future, or he's going to end up getting traded for some greater value. But either way, he is going to play a bigger purpose for this team moving forward. Yeah, I, I love Peraza. I mean, I, obviously, uh, Liam, you mentioned, you know, with the, the spot at shortstop is open to him. I mean, but IKF is kind of in the way. I want to see this guy play. I mean, the second they put him in in a game in Houston, when he started a game, I think the first ground ball he got, he made a diving play. The guy looks great at the position. Um, and one thing about the Yankees, I just want to see us call up our prospects. I want to see these prospects deliver. You know, I'm, I'm kind of getting jealous. I'm watching Julio Rodriguez, Adley Rutschman, all these guys get called up and making immediate impacts for their franchises. I want to see that. You know, so I, I really hope that Peraza is on that opening day roster. And what just even more than that, I really hope he's our starting shortstop. If uh, somebody like Trey Turner isn't in there. To your point, J. Ray, um, Carlos Correa won the Platinum Glove in 2021, um, had like a seven-plus war season, his best offensive season. The Astros gave him a fake offer to appease their fans and let him walk because they had Jeremy Pena in the wings, who was their best player in the postseason, um, whereas the Yankees are hesitant to move off IKF, where, and they have also superstar shortstops in the wings. We'd love to see the Yankees put some faith in, in their farm um, and play the kids, man. Absolutely. All right. On to pick number 13. J-Ray, back to you. All right. So uh, this guy showed his face in the big leagues this year, and, man, how sweet it is. I think every Yankee fan loved his energy. I'm going to go as Waldo Cabrera. This guy uh, was so fun to watch, man, and he had some big postseason at-bats. While he struggled, him getting that experience in the postseason, I think, goes a long way into making sure that this is going to be a, a, a guy that's – going to be a Yankee for a very, very long time. And while we have a, you know, a glutton of prospects in the minor leagues and, and we can trade them for, for bigger pieces, this is one guy that I really hope sticks around. A switch hitting bat. This guy played nearly every position. I think he did play every position besides pitcher and catcher. Um, I just, I want to keep this guy around. Like I said, his energy, you can see it. He robbed a home run in, in right field. And just that, that, I don't know if you guys saw that picture of him just pumping his arms. He was pumped up, and the crowd just feeds off of that. I love his home run call, too, the Wizard of Oz. We got to keep this guy around. I really think another year seeing more pitches and just getting used to the big leagues, I think he'll be a special talent for us. And most importantly, you know, just not too long ago, we were dealing with a lineup that was just so right-handed. There was I think maybe one lefty, and that, that lefty was uh, Aaron Hicks. So now that we have this guy in the fold, switch hitter, I love that. I love that for us with Rizzo and all these guys in that lineup. I think he complements them greatly. And like I said, just more more games under his belt. The more time he sees big league pitching, he's just going to continue to get better and better. If he can cover up that util spot for us, you know that that's a really valuable bench piece. Um, and I think he's going to rotate into the starting lineup with this team. Um, he proved that he can played a high level defensively at a lot of positions. Um, you know, being that backup bat, switch hitting bat, he, he's going to be like Marwin, but good. 
hopefully. <laughs> um, and his energy, you know, he, he he really lights up the stadium when you're there. You know, on TV, you know, they, they, they show his reactions and his smile is infectious, man. But, you know, he plays into the crowd. No, a young guy, you can't take that for granted in New York, how, um, what that crowd effect will do. Um, Cabrera, you know, he's never going to be a superstar, um, but he can be really good. He can be a very good player. Um, hopefully a major league player for a long time, given his athleticism, um, you know, his disciplined approach at the plate. Um, yeah, that's a great pick, Jay, right? Dude, I love that kid. He's so dynamic. Um, he just, the way that he's able to adjust and learn how to play several positions on the fly in the middle of the season, we haven't seen that. <laughs> like the dude said, oh yeah, I love playing left field. It's my, my favorite position. Never played a, a fucking inning there before. Um, it, <laughs> there's just something about him, man. Like you can just tell he's enthusiastic and just wants to be out on the field, and he's ready to do whatever it takes to help his team win. And um, he is a great building block to like really just create that new core of young players. So he should absolutely have a new place on this team. All right, Jake, take it right into pick number fourteen. See, I'm torn right here. I'm I'm considering uh, dumping some salary, but. I don't know if I can find the good trade, so I think I'm going to see. Screw it. I'm trading Donaldson. I am dumping (laughs) Donaldson. (laughs) We need to clear it somehow. And, I mean, Mm. the reality is he'll most likely be back at third base, but I think that there's a suitor out there somewhere because he does still provide dynamite defense. Um, you can't take that away from him. He was outstanding with the glove, but man, his, his bat was an utter disappointment, especially in the off season. He's a guy that you expect as a veteran, who's a former MVP to come in and really, you know, get those big clutch hits and at least grind at bats and work a walk in the right context. But he did not do that at all. And some of the swings that he took were just atrocious and he had that weird grin on his face i don't think he's a great fit here i thought initially when we got him maybe he would provide that spark that we needed that that kind of villain character to come in and change the entire feel of this team because it like everyone thought that they were too nice but clearly that's not working um you know i hope he proves me wrong this season if he is still there but i think this is a perfect time to load some of that salary so you could go for a extending judge to a bigger contract and then B you know there are still other free agents out there to be gotten and I think this would be a nice way to to clear up some space for guys that are actually ready to play yeah Donaldson gave us a lot defensively this year but his his at bats were tough especially down the stretch um and given his 22 million dollar price tag that that's a lot for this team especially if you're looking at retaining Aaron Judge you know Don- Donaldson plus Judge last year equals Judge from this year. So if, if we can shed that, we have good third base options, you know, between a potential IKF, Volpe in the wings, Oswaldo Cabrera, that's his natural position, and DJ and Glaber. Like we have, and Glaber wouldn't play third, but Glaber can take second to cover for third. We'll see where we get with Glaber. But um, yeah, I, I think Donaldson is a pick that we we could shed. But I think the Yankees like him and really like his metrics. Um, my one thing is I don't know if we can shed the 22 straight up. So, Jake, you don't have to pick a, a player necessarily. 
or yeah. Jay Ray, I'll, I'll kick it to you first for your comments, but how much, how much of that money do you think we're pocketing in the form of either us taking on half of the salary or another player? I think we're giving away maybe a prospect or two, like a mid-range one as well to like kind of harshen the blow for us. Um, I think that it's inevitable that we'll probably have to take like at least 50% of that contract. So what, 11 million, something along those lines um, for the season, 11 to 12 million. I think we're still going to end up having to eat, but at the same time, I think it's worth it because you know, it does give Elaine an opportunity for young guys like Volpe to come up, which I think yeah. we all want to see him at this point. I think it's like, it's time. He's already in triple a, he's going to be starting the season in triple a. So it's only a matter of time. I think that spring training is going to tell us a lot about him. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you guys. I mean, I would love to get rid of Josh Donaldson. Listen, when we first acquired him, uh, it sucked because I loved Gio. I really did. Gio's energy, he, he contact hitter to gold glove defense. He should have won the gold glove the year before, but I digress. Uh, I, I really thought that the energy that he could have brought to the lineup would have been nice. You know, if he was hitting 30 bombs, then he could walk around and, and pimp his home runs and walk around with that attitude that he has. But when you're when you're playing the way that you're playing and, and you look absolutely lost in the box, dude, you, it, it just doesn't sit well with me. I think uh, this was a, a marriage gone wrong. And I, I think it just, I think for both parties, it'd be better if they both split. Yep, and we'll see if we can shed that, what kind of trade that would be, but we're, put, we're putting that on the table. I think a lot of Yankees would agree after that postseason. Um, I'm going to jump into pick number 15. I'm going to take uh, Jonathan Loisica. It's a good pick. And I know I'm being kind of I'm being kind of boring. I haven't picked a free agent yet, but I think <laughs> Johnny Loisica is a guaranteed back on this team. I got to figure out how to spell his name real quick <laughs> as I copy him into the sheet here. Um, Hello, uh, I always get mixed up with the A's and the I's there. <laughs> <laughs> um, Johnny Loisica is special. And um, I think he had a bit of a rougher start to the season and we came off of 2021 where um, he was great. And I think we got back to that level with him in the postseason. Um, his stuff is really nasty, conducive to strikeouts and getting ground balls when we need it. Um, he's flexible between scenarios. I think he has um, a shot, at, as Jake very uh, covertly alluded to before, of being our closer um, and being a guy that we can really rely on down the stretch. Um, and given the price tag of him relative to other guys that we had in previous years marked down as being closers, you know, $2.1 million for Jonathan Loisica. I'll take that any day of the week. He's not leaving our team anytime soon. So I have one concern with Loisica, and I don't know if you guys have heard this. So uh, me and Jake were talking, and he had mentioned potentially, you know, Loisica could be a closer for this team. But looking up his, his splits over his career, on zero days rest, uh, his ERA is a 6.60. On one day's rest, it's a 4.85. Now, if it's two days and three days, it's, it's uh, 1.25 or 1.80. So him going on zero days or one day's rest uh, hasn't been a great recipe of su for success for Loisaga. So that's probably my biggest concern. So when it comes to October, if we're playing in a game six or game seven, you know, his stuff definitely plays. But 
can he go on a can he pitch back to back? You know, that's my biggest concern because I love his stuff. I love Johnny Lasagna. I think he's a the energy he brings when he punches somebody out. It's electric. But that's just my only concern. Can he pitch back to back days when it matters most in October? Yeah, that's true. That's a huge part of being a big relief pitcher. Yeah. Um, I was just going to say that's a very reasonable concern and he's had those shoulder issues, you know, so like that definitely plays into that conversation as well. Um, you got to wonder how, what his recovery time, his timetable looks like on a day-to-day basis and like wonder if that plays into it, you know? So um, I think skill wise, like the dude has all the skill and talent in the world. And if he can put that together and just be a consistent guy that can give 15 to 20 pitches, you know, day in and day out, I think that he could lock up that closer role, but that's a great point. All right. On to pick number 16. Jay, Ray, you got the floor. All right. So I'm going to keep it in the bullpen. Uh, I know this is not fun. It's not a sexy pick, but uh, I'm a big fan of Ron Marinaccio. I don't know about you guys, but this season, this guy just stepped up at every moment that he had. And I wish we had him in the postseason, but what a rookie season, pitching to a 2.05 ERA in 44 innings. Uh, the guy was, you know, bouncing up and down from major minor leagues, but this guy truly earned a spot on the opening day roster. He was one of our most reliable arms when it mattered most, pitched some big innings when we needed it. And I th- really do believe that that's why I say relievers do grow on trees. Uh, we can take the blow in losing a potential Chad Green, even though I hope we don't. But we can lose him because we have a guy like this right here. You know, Marinaccio can definitely pitch some big innings. And I think he showed that in his rookie season. Take some big stuff, you know, when you're a rookie pitching in New York and, and he stepped up. I would disagree with you that that's not a sexy pick. I, I think some of the people on the Jersey Shore might disagree uh, from his, <laughs> his uh, tantalizing eyes alone. But yeah, Ronnie Marinaccio is a guy that we were able to lean on. Um, I was at the game in September where he came out and he got hurt. Um, and that was a blow. And I was with my family who were, who only really cared about the judge home run chase. And I was, uh, I was pretty upset when he went down. Um, it was, he proved that, that he, that he can be a really impact arm in this pen. Um, and that's what we need. Um, maybe not necessarily sexy for the roster picks, but Marinaccio cleans up, he gets the job done. Um, he, he came in. A lot of the time with runners on was and was able to clean things up. I, I love him um, at the back of our bullpen there. Dude, young Dracula's got it going on, man. He's awesome. Um, he, he's got that still heartbeat. You can tell that when he gets in there, he's just like super focused. And um, the big stage was not too big for him. He never looked like he was nervous or frazzled or anything like that, which is just something that you can't teach coming into Yankee Stadium at that young of an age. Um, He just has it. And that changeup is disgusting. Like, that dude can – I think it's one of the top-tier changeups in the league, honestly, from what I remember seeing. Um, He can be very special for the Yankees moving forward. And since he is so young, this is a guy that's only going to get better. Absolutely. All right, Jake, you can take that right into pick number 17. I'm going to stick with the sexy side still, and I'm going straight to Wandy Peralta. That dude is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I was really hoping that, J-Ray, you weren't going to say his name, and I, I got really happy you, you made a great pick, but God is Wandy good. This is a dude who 
I think he completely eliminates that same um, fear that you have about Loisaga with the same day rest. He pitched how many days in a row for the Yankees during the playoffs? Like four or five. And yeah. um, he said he would keep on going if he needed to. This is a guy who throws a sneaky 95 to 96, has a changeup that can put away both lefties and righties. Um, underrated slider as well. This is a dude that just comes out, does his thing no matter what the situation is on the mound. Like, he can come in with runners on first, second, third, second, third, first and third, one out, two outs, no outs. And you just have confidence that he's going to get the job done. So this is someone that I think has been the most underrated and overlooked arm in the pen in uh, recent years. And I think that he's a staple that you need to continue to go to in order to get that confidence from the left side. You know, he, he is that guy. And he's just a freak on the mound. He is fun to watch. Yeah, no, you got to love Wandy. Everybody loves Wandy. And I, I, first of all, I, I love his, the energy when he comes out into the game. They play uh, one of my favorite Spanish songs. It's called Aguanile. And, yo, I just get up. I start doing my salsa. I get, I start dancing whenever he comes out. But, yeah, you're right. He's an absolute dog, man. The guy can go. He, he proved it in the postseason. He can go on back-to-back days. Forget. He can go back-to-back-to-back days and still deliver for you. I would trust him in the biggest spots. You know, uh, in the World Series, they had Jose Alvarado pitching up against uh, Jordan Alvarez when he hit that mammoth of a blast. You know, if we were in those shoes, I would trust Wandy Peralta to get those outs. He's an absolute dog. He's stone cold, uh, and he's fearless. And that's what you need in New York. Wandy's a bit nutty. Like he—he's so fearless. It's almost concerning personally sometimes <laughs> that I can't—I can't twist myself to feel those same same emotions. Um, but he's fun, man, and he's someone. You know, he went under the radar with that trade in midseason in 2021, and he's just proved to be one of our most reliable pitchers. Again, you know, similar to Nestor, but in the bullpen, really adaptable, can be put into a lot of different situations. And, you know, it's that, you know, ice in his veins type of feeling. Um, You come and he just comes in from the bullpen confident. Uh, J-Ray, like you said, his his intro music is electric. Um, I sat a few games in front of this this family of, um, of Colombians, and there would be about five to 12 of them at any given game across like four different generations. And whenever Wandy came in, they'd get up and they start dancing. It was really fun. <laughs> um, but that, that's the feeling that he elicits, like put the music aside, you know, he, he's on the mound. You have a lot of faith in Wandy getting us out of sticky situations. He still has high velo, like he sneakily sits above 95. Um, he has pretty even splits against lefties and righties. So you don't have to put him into a lefty only lane given the three batter minimum. Um, I think Wandy is really dynamic coming out of this bullpen. And that is that is a sexy pick if, if there is one, uh, especially coming out of our, our, our bullpen. Got that sauce. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> I'm going to jump right into my first signing of this draft. Um, and this, this one we, we can talk about because I'm a bit conflicted on it personally. Um, but lo- looking at building this team and where we're lacking, I'm going to pick Andrew Benintendi. Um, Benny Benny was awesome this year for us. And even when, when he was down a little bit, um, we can see what that contact and that, and that approach does to us. You know, um, In an ideal world, I don't think Benny is our leadoff guy, though he can be serviceable up there. 
Um, I would still like a healthy DJ to be up there. But, you know, Benny being able to slap the ball around and giving us an actual gold glove left field defense, we found was really impactful, especially um, coming off of the, the Joey Gallo experiment. Um, what, what he can do for us in, in left field, you, you really feel that impact, um, how his jumps, how he covers, you know, he doesn't have an exemplary arm. He doesn't have a ton of pop. Um, but I think Yankee stadium, he might be able to run into a few, um, and just that table setting and giving a bit of that different dynamic at bat in our lineup, I think is really important. Um, I think getting him, you know, maybe it's a similar contract to DJ, like, a a six year, like 15 million, 14 million AAV. I would like to see him back. I don't know. What are, what are your thoughts on Benny? I love Ben and And you know, much like, so I picked DJ LeMayu and I said he was one of the most, most missed bats for us in October. And the same thing rings true about Andrew Ben I really believe if Ben and and DJ are healthy against Houston, it's a totally different series. Way more competitive, probably go six, seven games. Yeah. Um, I think his bat, he started to really just catch his groove when he uh, before he got injured. So that, that kind of sucked. We never truly got to see uh, the best version of him, but I, we saw him getting there. I think a full season with the team, bringing that lefty bat, uh, you could put him in between judge. He can lead off a game. I, I love Benny. Plays good defense too, and uh, he, he's battle-tested. Played in the biggest stages. He's been up against Houston in the ALCS before with Boston. He's won a World Series. Uh, so he's, like I said, he's battle tested. And I think he fits this team very well. And actually, when we traded for Joey Gallo, I was begging for us to acquire Benintendi instead. So a year too late, but it'd be nice to uh, retain him maybe for what, two, three years? Yeah, no, he's a great pick. Um there's nothing to it. He's just like a pure hitter who you know he's going to give you a high average. He's going to get on base a lot because he slaps the ball around. And he has a good eye. Um, he's disciplined at the plate. He's just that veteran presence who's not too old where he's still athletic and he's able to you know move well around. Like he's a good enough outfielder. He's a what he won a gold glove. This is a guy who brings an element that we haven't had as a stabilizing force since, let's be real, Brett Gardner in left field. Um I think that he's going to really help us out for the next three or four years. And he's going to be reasonably affordable. I think he still might get a nice little payday of potentially 15 to 17 mil a year um, because he was batting over 300 and his on-base percentage was 380. And he is only, what, 28, 29 years old. So there's a good chance that he's going to look to get paid. But I think the Yankees see the value in him, and he'll be back. Yeah, he's like everything that Yankees fans who still love Brett Gardner, which I, I still love Brett Gardner, not not as a piece on our team. Um, he's everything that Brett Gardner does, but a bit better on the baseball side, um, giving that contact, giving that tough at-bat, um, that really good, reliable defense. Um, all right, so before our next pick, I want to highlight so far in salary, we have $204 million. So far, we have eight spots left. That means we have about $49 million to work with. We're sitting on one catcher, four infielders, three outfielders, three starting pitchers, and five relief pitchers with two util guys. I think that's Oswaldo and Giancarlo. Nice. Okay. So 
All right, let's we can add a little bit to that. I'll add to a, some utility a, a bench bat that I've been a big fan of for a long time, and he had a nice season uh, with the Cardinals last year. I'm a big fan. I don't know about you guys, but I'm a big fan of Corey Dickerson. I love the lefty. I love the contact that he brings, and consistently he's going to give you, uh, you know, a good at bat all the time. He's been a bench player now for a while, but a quality one at that. Since getting traded to St. Louis, he was batting 267. Uh, but he, he had a big stretch in time where he was just on base all the time. He's had seasons where, you know, you can't get the guy out for a stretch. And I think in a team that is, has so much swing and miss, it'd be nice to have a bat like that on the bench that you can trust a call upon to maybe fill in for a day for Giancarlo or judge or Bader. Uh, you could even slide him in the DH spot. Uh, just a consistent bat. I, I would love to have – I would love to look at our bench and say, okay, this guy can can hit power pitching. He can put that ball in play and not worry too much about the strikeout. So, yeah, Corey Dickerson I think is a very underrated player. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. And, um, I think that he would provide ultimately more value than what we got from Marwin Gonzalez as that bench piece, you know, and he's a veteran who just knows how to hit and um, – is pretty damn consistent throughout his career. So I have zero complaints with that. Yeah, no, that I really love. We're getting into the weeds here. You know, Corey Dickerson, hopefully going to be about a one more guy, um, giving that um, giving that utility off the bench. Um, I think he goes hopefully on, on a pretty friendly contract, maybe about one year for eight or 10. Um, I don't know what, what you guys think in terms of contract wise, but yeah, I think he adds more value than Aaron Hicks does, which um, we'll see where we get with, with Hicks because we're on, we're on the books with him. But yeah, I, I love this Corey Dickerson pick. Um, we we want to add some dynamicism to this team, some balance, and I think he, he can really do that, like you said, J-Ray. What do you guys think his contract is? Uh, so much like what you said, maybe a one-year, one $8 million contract. Uh, but I, I don't know if he's earned himself a, a bigger payday than that. Just uh, read off a stat to you. In June... July and August, this guy was batting. Well, in August he was batting four eleven. <laughs> batting four wow. eleven in July he was batting three fourteen. In June he was batting three thirty three. I mean his OPS was over a thousand in both uh, June and August. And this is playing. He was playing for a team that was fighting for a playoff spot for a large part of that season. So he was a big reason why they made it there too, or ran away with that division. So I, like I said, I think he'd be a great piece for this offense. Veteran presence, I love it. He's he made what. 9.1 million last year. That's what he would be looking to make. Um, yeah, I think it's well worth it for a year. All right, Jake, we'll kick it to you for pick number 20. So to gain that contract, we also have to throw away some, which means I think it's time to rip off the Band-Aid and get rid of Glaber Torres. Mm, I think hurts. this is a dude who has had a tumultuous time. It does hurt because um, I love the kid, and he has been – a big contributor for us. And he is like part of that baby bomber squad. Um, he's, you know, he started off his career with two all-star seasons in a row and then 2020 hit and all of that power that we saw in 2019 in the juice ball era kind of dissipated very quickly. And it continued through 2021. And then he comes back this season and he kind of looks like the older version of himself, but he still had a few games where he would regress back to his same woes that he had in 2020 and 2021. Um, 
it's it sucks, man, because he did prove that he is a good second baseman when you put him there. He's so much more comfortable at second than when you put him at shortstop. That was a bad decision all in all to put him at short in the first place. But I think that it's time to move on from him because you do have Volpe and you have Peraza waiting in the weeds. I do think one of those guys could potentially get traded this offseason, but Glaber should be the first guy you're looking to move. What do you trade him for? I think that, honestly, you revisit that Pablo Lopez trade from the Miami Marlins. It almost went through at the end of the uh, trade deadline this past season. And I think you can still get another power arm. There is another pitcher in the current system that I think we could look to trade who I believe is arbitration eligible. I don't know if either of y'all are going to pick him. I'm just fucking, I'm just going to say it now. Domingo Herman. He's another guy that I think you could get rid of. Even though like, I like what he's done this past season, I think he had a low-key good season. Um, I think you can still kind of move those two guys and then bring in a true starting pitcher who Pablo Lopez would probably be a you know, a two or a three in most systems, he would be a three or a four for us. And um, I think that we're going to lose Tyone in the first place. or We're ultimately going to lose Tyone. So this would be a great replacement arm if we brought in Pablo Lopez for a trade with Glaber. Yeah. See, I'm cool with trading Glaber if that's the return, if we're getting Pablo Lopez. We can keep our standards high. That's my, that's my whole thing is like, you don't, have to necessarily trade labor, but if the right guy comes available, which I think there are going to be several guys available, Pablo Lopez is the standard of what I want back. Yeah, like you said, Jake, I think the issue with Glaber gets to be money. Um, and why don't you do me a favor and look up um, Pablo Lopez, his AAV um, oh. for next year. But yeah, yeah, I think Glaber would be on the hook for about $10 million in ARB, maybe a little bit more. Um, I think we have to trade him while the iron's hot. Um, I, I honestly a- agree with this trade um, because we have Volpe, Peraza. I think this team probably retains IKF because I don't know if they're going to be full on to ripping off the Band-Aid and, and playing Peraza without a backup option. Um, and then we also have yeah. DJ and Oswaldo Cabrera. Like, I think there's a lot of options around that middle infield in which – if we're going to look into re-signing Judge, um, into getting Rizzo and and Benny back, um, I think this is where we're going to have to start looking internally um, to get rid of Glaber. And that ARB number is getting pretty high because he's toward the end of his ARB and, years. Um, and once we put him in conversations, I think that's going to affect his season and his impact on this team. I've loved Glaber. I really like him personally. Um, I think he, he has a lot of energy to this team and it, it's going to hurt, but I think it's the, I think it's the decision they're going to make and they might have to make. Pablo Lopez is estimated 2.45 million, by the way. How many, how much? 2.45. 2.45. Wow. So that's a shed of about $7 million from Glaber. Exactly. And we'll probably have to throw in like a mid range prospect as well. Um, I think at the most I'd look at like maybe an Everson Pereira, even though I like him a lot, but there are like the Yankees farm system is really deep. So there are a lot of guys who can complement and pair with the uh, Glaber to make that happen. I think the one thing that hurts so much, if you trade Glaber, it's like, like you said, Jakey, he was a part of that baby bomber group and you expected so much out of him after his first two years. So it's, it's been a massive regression. Even though this season specifically, he wasn't, he played actually pretty well. I mean, he has his ugly stretches. I believe August was a pretty ugly month for him. But September, he started to pick it up. 
there was just so much potential there that wasn't reached. You know, I thought that he'd be, you know, one of the top tier guys right now after what we saw from this first his first two seasons. I thought he would be a 30 home run or at least 20, 20 home run, 80 RBI guy batting 270 plus 800 plus OPS, you know, but that, it just didn't work out that way. So his production that he's giving us now, I think you can find that elsewhere. I think you would love to see something out of uh, Peraza or even Volpe. Those guys steal bags. So they'll bring a different kind of energy that Glaber just doesn't bring. Um, but Pablo Lopez, he's young. I think he's only 26 years old. He's not a free agent until 2025. Um, and plus, uh, selfishly, I like him. He follows me on Instagram, so it's pretty cool. So <laughs> bring him oh, to New shit. York. <laughs> Maybe you can uh, talk him if into We get it. him, Jay Ray. You're, you're getting him on the podcast. I, I so it's funny that since you mentioned Pablo Lopez, I actually got into I, I spoke to him, I think it was last week or two weeks ago, because my parents were in PR. So they just saw this tall guy that was taking a picture with somebody and they asked him, Who are you? And it's like I'm Pablo Lopez. I pitch for the Marlins. So my dad FaceTimes me and he and I are just talking for like ten minutes on FaceTime. And I had talk, told him, uh, you know, I coach baseball at the Boys and Girls Club. I would love to have you around one day whenever you're in New York. And he was like, yeah, for sure. Whenever we play the Mets, I'll come out. I'll come out. So we followed each other on Instagram, and we've been exchanging messages on in the DMs. So hopefully. Dude, that's awesome. When we send this podcast to Brian Cashman, we're going we're gonna to include your connection with Lopez. So that way we, we get Pablo Lopez on this team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You have an insight. On so, the inside. <laughs> yeah. Sources close to Pablo Lopez say he's signing. <laughs> um, so going off of that, you know, that's that's our fourth starting pitcher listed. Um, and I think our best return for value, even though we had an up and down, well, not an up at all with him after this trade. I'm going to take Frankie Montas as our as our starting pitcher number five. Um, he's on the books. His his estimated arbitration number is about eight million, seven point seven million. They have listed on Fangraphs. Um, I think he's the best value of a pitcher that we're going to get. Um, and Frankie Montas, I don't mind in our rotation as a 4-5 piece. You know, Hopefully he can return a bit back to what he was doing in Oakland. He had a, a very tangible um, tail off after the Yankees trade. And he had some personal and injury problems going on too. So we'll, we'll see how it is. But, you know, even relative to Tyone, who's hitting free agency now, Tyone's probably going to get around a 15 to 20 million. You know, Frankie Montas giving um, giving what he does on an eight to ten million dollar deal. Um, I'll I'll take that for this team. It's so interesting because he was actually one of the guys I considered trading um, because I think that he still has enough value. I think I agree with that. He would be a good five for us. Um, I think there is upside there still. And we did see what still 97, 98 out of the arm. Um, he does have a nice splitter, so there are some there is some silver lining with him and the way that his season went. But at the same time, there are so many pitchers on the market right now that we could upgrade to that I wouldn't mind exploring another maybe lefty arm and hit Carlos Radon, someone like that. But I'm completely okay with keeping him there at the tail end of the uh, rotation. You know, I'm not I'm not a fan of Frankie Montes. I don't know if you guys get the same feel that I get. But growing up as a Yankee fan, there's just some people that you look at and you're like, yeah, they're Yankee. You know what I mean? That they, they can don those pinstripes. I just don't get that out of Frankie Montes. Maybe it's because uh, uh, I'm horrified of trading with the Oakland A's for starting pitchers. But 
it just doesn't some, something about him just doesn't sit well with me man i don't i don't feel like he's a yankee i don't know maybe it, it i don't know how to describe it but that's just how i am in my brain i honestly agree with you guys there and, and jay ray i i understand that feeling um i don't think he ever really felt like he was a part of this team this year and i know part of that was, was his his injury but the way he spoke to the press his kind of his overall demeanor it, it felt a little bit strange and a little bit strained um, my main reason for keeping him a salary so i'm open to if we get to the end of it um and we can do a frankie montas trade clear that eight million and maybe sign one of the good starting pitchers off the market um i'm not opposed to that so i think i'm being a little bit conservative with this pick because we only got about 30 uh, 29 million in salary left um but i'd be down to revisit this as we see fit towards the end Sure. All right, um, Jay Ray, let's jump back to okay. pick number 23 now for you. Okay, so I'm going to go with a prospect here. Uh, I don't think any of us have added him yet. I, I know you said uh, – somebody said Peraza. I know I said Cabrera. I'm going to go with Volpe. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rush it, man. I'm going to rush it. I'm going to say that th- this guy, it, for a long time, he's been a first-round pick for us, and we have been waiting, waiting, waiting for this guy to come up. We've only heard nothing but good things out of him from the minor leagues. Dude stole 50 bags this year. I think uh, even if his bat isn't necessarily ready for for the big leagues, I think his defense will play, and I think his speed will play. I think you get him in there, you can plug him into either shortstop, second base, and it's supposed to be him and Peraza, man. Him and Peraza is supposed to be that middle infield if we trade Glaber. So it'll be nice to see him in the, in the big leagues. Um like I said, I don't know if his bat is necessarily ready, but he has pop. He has speed. And once you just get a, a couple at bats under your belt, next thing you know, he might be catching his stride. And like I said earlier, I'm jealous, man. Julio Rodriguez gets called up. Adley Rutschman gets called up. Come on, let's call up our guy. Let's let's get some energy in Yankee Stadium. I think uh, with it, hopefully if Judge is in the fold, like I said, DJ LeMayhew, he has some leadership there to to look after him. So. Rizzo will be there. He'll be he'll be ready. He'll be fine. Let's call him up. And let, let's get excited, man. I want to see Volpe up there, man. I would love some full run of Volpe. I love it. Um, I don't think he makes the opening day roster, but I think he could be a May call up. Like those guys, I think J-Rod was similar. That's what we did with Glaber in 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, if he makes the opening day roster, I would be I, – I would – I think that would be a good move. I don't think the Yankees would do it. Um but I, I think they want him maybe a month in AAA. Yeah. Um, but yeah, from mm-hmm. from all accounts from Volpe, from interviews I've seen him do, um, he's a really he has a really professional um, work ethic and approach. Um, I think he understands New York. I, I think he'd be really um, a positive for this team, like you said. You know, like play the kids, bring them up together. Um, especially if we're offloading Glaber, that adds a lot more versatility options for it. If we have Donaldson and Glaber gone. Um, I think that opens the door for Volpe to come in and be at at worst the platoon. I think he can run out and get 110 games for this team, um, at least. And that's even with some, maybe with a few weeks down. Um, yeah, I think Volpe could be really special by all accounts. He's one of the top prospects in baseball. Let's get him up. Let's play him. Let's invest in him. I think you all would both agree that this is the first time it feels like the Yankees are actually trying to get their pro- prospects up at the right time. Um, because they brought up what Peraza got called up to AAA, and he started the season completely with them. 
And then you see both Volpe and you see Dominguez get called up to triple and double A respectively towards the end of the season. I think this is the first time that they're actually going to say, hey, this is our top guy. We need to show everyone what is up with him because I've heard from several people um, that he is a special talent. People that have been seeing him since he was a young, younger kid playing in New York City and then in Jersey. Um, this guy's the real deal, and like he's going to get it, his uh, opportunity to really let it rip this season. So we should all be excited about it. Absolutely. Him. All right, Jake. Uh, actually, before we go into it, um, let me do something real quick. So yeah. we got four, no, we got five roster spots left. Right now, we have cool. one catcher, one first baseman, no Glaber, no Donaldson. We have DJ. Let's see, infielders. We have DJ, Peraza, Volpe are our infielders. Um, in the outfield, we have Bader, Benintendi, Judge. We have Oswaldo Cabrera as Util, Corey Dickerson as another outfielder, Giancarlo Stanton as a DH. Um, then we have five starting pitchers, which are uh, Cole, Sevi, Nestor, Montas, and Pablo Lopez. And then we have five relief arms being Wandy, Marinaccio, King, Clay, and Laza. So that's where we're at now. I think we're missing, we're going to need at least one catcher. Um, Maybe I think we're gonna need maybe another infielder, depending on how you slice it, um, and two relievers at least. So, um, Jake, mm. take the floor. All right. So for my pick, I have a uh, a bigger picture kind of move coming up for clearing some salary because this is another one that. <laughs> was painful to all Yankees fans to watch this season, and that is dumping IKF's contract. Um, I think we need to look to move him because we are clearly like clearing up space in the infield right now. However, I think there are still bigger moves that we are capable of making, and I think one way to make that happen is by getting IKF out of there. Um, I think after only one year, he needs a change of scenery. I think that he was completely mishandled by the Yankees' management system, um, they, he asked for help several times about his shortstop woes, positionally speaking, and they said, you're doing just fine. I think that has gotten to his psyche. I do like his bat, but I think it's ultimately time to really upgrade this middle infield and just the infield in general and go in a different direction. And also that clears about 6.5 mil from the salary. Yeah, no, you, you hit it right on the nose, Jake, uh, when you say that the Yankees mishandled this guy. I, I feel bad for him because I, I, I love the personality. He did bring energy. Um, you know, he, like he's a contact bat, which was a change of pace from what we what we were used to seeing with the home runner bus kind of lineup we were with the, we were with the last couple of seasons. So I did like what he could have brought. But ultimately, I don't think he ever completely got comfortable in New York. And it's kind of hard, you know, when you're playing – uh, the most important position on the field as shortstop. And, you know, the the Yankee crowd is no joke. They'll, they'll boo, you, boo you out of the city. So he had a tough, tough go of it. Maybe, maybe we would look at him all differently if he was starting at third base where he won his gold glove instead of shortstop. And I think maybe 
if that was how his season had gone, him playing third base, I think we would all look at him a little bit differently and say, oh, yeah, this is a bat that we want to keep. He plays a great third base. Um, maybe not the long-term answer, but ultimately he would have been better suit playing there than shortstop the entire way. Yeah, with IKF, Absolutely. it's tough, man. I, I see him as a utility option on this team. Um, I could see him being back next year. Um, but I don't think it, I don't necessarily think it's the best fit. I think he could be a solid util option on a championship team. So I'm interested to see where they go with him. Um, but Jake, I think you hit it on, on, on the nose, man. And I think it, it is a pretty viable, pretty viable trade after this year, especially with our kids. We're playing Volpe and Peraza, our team with our kids up, you know, I don't think there's a spot for him. And I'm just saying there are so many free agents on the board right now that could really help this team a lot and also complement the young guys like Peraza and Volpe, especially if we are moving away from both Donaldson and from IKF. All right. I'm going to take my next move um, to dump Aaron Hicks. Um, I think Aaron Hicks has been a pretty decent Yankee. Um, I think after his injury – He's, I don't think he's able to deliver at the outfield what we need. Um, and he, he clogs up space. You know, you give those early contracts to guys like we did with Severino and with Hicks um, to to bank on upside. Um, and Hicks not being able to be a center fielder for us anymore. Um, I don't think there's space for him and his team. Um, I think essentially we're going to have to trade him for, for nothing for prospects. I think we're, it's only about 11 million, I think, or 10 or 11 million let me 10 million yeah yeah or 10.78 so So i i think that can be shed to to a team that needs you know um that needs just a fourth outfielder or maybe a a left fielder you know he can give some decent at bats if he gets full run um yeah i think hicks is gone i think we don't pay anything or maybe retain one or two million um, but take nothing prospects. I think this is just a salary shed move. Yeah. He, uh, I feel bad for the guy because his career likely, with the career with the Yankees at least, likely ended with that slide between him and Cabrera in the uh, ALCS. Or was that the, the DS? DS? Yep. Yes. And, um, like, you could tell that he wanted to be on the field, man, and he had all those comments earlier, like, he didn't know what they were doing with him. He just wants to help the team contribute. He feels frustrated that he can't help the team contribute. It's like that's because he was underperforming and they had to bench him. They had no other choice because his glove became a liability, not just his bat, you know? So um, he's just been in the system for so long. And I always had a bad feeling about signing that seven-year, 10 million a year deal um, in the first place. And that has not paid off at all. And I do think that he's shown flashes of a player that is capable as a fourth outfielder, like you alluded to. And I think he would provide better value in a smaller market with a team that has a little bit less pressure on them. So fully agree. Yeah, I really, you know, the Aaron Hicks, the ending of it hasn't been a pretty one. Um, the inconsistent inconsistencies are, are, are really glaring. You see them, clear as day and uh i think it's for both parties i think we're better off all splitting up and just letting them go as separate ways we move on because you know 
back in 20, 2017, 2018, you thought this guy was going to be your center fielder for quite a while. And quite, quite frankly, it didn't work out that way. So I think, yeah, it's time to move on from him. Definitely is. I mean, you got Bader now. You got some young guys coming up. So eventually he was going to get pushed out regardless. So I think it's better to rip the Band-Aid off now. Yeah, let's fly through these last few picks. Um, I only have a few minutes left. So uh, we have to make decisions on Litke, Higgy, and Lou Trevino. Um, we, have spy- we have five spots left. Actually, no, I'm going to steal a pick. Um, I'm going to take Higgy. I think Higgy makes this team. Um, I don't really know what's happening with Ben Rortvet. Um, maybe the Yankees believe in him. Um, I, I think I think Higgy ad, adds a bit of an upside, and, and we just run it back. He has that rapport with the staff. Um, he can give he can give that pop. You know, when, when he he runs into some streaks towards the end of last year, and um, Higgy showed that he can really be an impact bat, especially when Trevi was struggling. Um, I think we keep we keep him for next year. What do you guys think? Yeah, definitely keep Higgy. I mean, he's not going to be what he, we saw in spring training. I think we all went in there with some into April with some really high hopes, hoping he would bring that into the season. Unfortunately, it didn't. But Higgy is more than just a bat to us. Uh, like you said, you know, behind the dish, you can call a good game, a good a good rapport with the pitchers. Uh, plays. Plays a great catcher. I mean, he's a great defensive catcher as well. So I, you hold on to Higgy. He's a, he's a Yankee lifer. Yeah, man, I love Higgy. Um, I will say there is a part of me, I'm not going to lie, that wants to go full death star right now. And we, we've moved so many contracts at this point that we could go after a Sean Murphy in a trade. Um, and we obviously already have Trevino on this team. I think if you pair those two together, that's the best catching tandem in the league by far. Like, it's not even a question. So that's one way to go about it. But I have no issues with bringing Higgy back because we know exactly what kind of catcher he is at this point. And we know that he can get streaky with a bat at, like, any given time. So, yeah, yeah I'm fine with that. Jay Ray on a pick number 27. Uh, so you said we needed some relief arms. Uh, I'm going to turn back the clock a little bit. I'm going to say let's bring back David Robertson, man. I've always been a big fan of him. I, I think uh, we've seen many times in pinstripes, the guy can pitch some big innings, and he pitched some big innings for Philadelphia in this postseason. Uh, yeah, he's up there in age, but it'd be nice for him to end his career here in the Bronx. I think he'd serve as, uh, one, a good mentor for the for young guys in there like uh, a Marinaccio. And, man, his, his cutter still plays. That curveball still plays. I think he's, he's still got some nasty stuff. Yeah, he still has a little bit left in the tank. I'd say we bring him back. I like it. Yeah, yeah I love D-Rob. He's uh, got some of the most repeatable mechanics out there. Um, the dude is known as, what, Houdini for a reason. Yeah. He got out of so many bases loaded, no out jokes. Yes. And you can't overlook that. He proved that he's still a World Series caliber pitcher at his age currently. And I think him and, hey, if we want to look at another reliever, I'm not going to say we draft him, but Tommy Cayley is also out there. And his stuff looks fantastic still. His changeup is still devastating. So there are two veteran relievers that the Yankees are very familiar with that are on the market. And I think that D-Rob is definitely a way to go, considering how healthy he's been and just how good he's been. 
All right, yeah. Jake, on to you for pick number 28. Um, Liam, what are we at in terms of salary right now? In terms of salary, we're at 21 million, 21.3. No, in terms of uh, total payroll, total, sorry. Oh, oh, so salary, that's how much we have left to work with. So total payroll okay, is gotcha. 231.7. Gotcha. See, I'm just looking at... I'm waiting for one of you guys to break the bank. Bring in Verlander. Come on. <laughs> can I do something? Can I, can, I, can I make a move? Yeah. All right. I'm fucking bringing in right now because there are a few guys on this market that are dynamic infielders that can, like I said, help these current new baby bombers grow into what they will become into perennial superstars. I'm bringing in Trey Turner. The dude Attaboy. is awesome. The dude is, what, 29, 30? We've been waiting for this. We've been clearing all this salary. He is the most athletic, dynamic. I know there's plenty of guys that you can go with. Like, you can't go wrong with the shortstop crop that you've got going on right now. He is a guy that has, like, proven that he's willing to bounce around second base, shortstop, third base. I think he's open-minded in that sense, and he has the intangible and tangible tools that it takes to win a World Series. He's already done it with... Washington um he's got you know 300 average going in um he will hit you 20 to 30 homers a season he's probably a big triples guy like the dude's going to provide like a quality OPS every year he has everything you need out of a middle infield superstar and that is our guy Jake from your mouth to God's ears bro really really yeah, I mean, Trey Turner gives everything you want in a baseball player. Um, my only concern is is the money, if, if we can shell it. Um, and I think Trey Turner is a guy we're willing to break the bank for. Um, he, he can project along. He can be our shortstop to start if the Yankees are uncomfortable about playing Peraza and Volpe right off the bat. He can project around the infield. He can be an outfielder for us. Um, I, I think he, he's a game-changer. Um, being at the top or even in the middle of, of a lineup. He has that sneaky pop, high OPS guy. Um, I love I love that move. I yeah. love Trey Turner. I mean, he's, you know, there's so many great shortstops in baseball, but I'll say I think he is the best shortstop in baseball. You know, I'm jealous because I get to see, you know, if the Padres can feel together a lineup of Tatis, Machado, and Juan Soto, the Dodgers put together Trey Turner, Freddie Freeman, and Mookie Betts. Shit, so can we. We can put Trey Turner and Aaron Judge in the same lineup. I think we need to start spending some money and bring these guys in here. Let's show Judge, yo, we're we're invested in you. We're gonna we're gonna put some stars around you. We're going for you you know, Jake, you said go full Death Star. Uh making a move like for Trey Turner, that that'll do it. Let's build that fucking juggernaut, man. We like they have Clearly, what we've done right now is we've cleared a lot of salary, and it is possible. It is 100% possible for them to work flexibly uh, flexibly with what they have currently on the, uh, the roster that can be coming off. And there are prospects, like I said, that they're not going to see the field realistically for five to ten years because there are so many people in front of them. We have Trey Sweeney sitting in the weeds. Like, there are so many trades that can be made to clear up even more space to bring this guy in. But I think he he or I would be happy with Dansby. Dansby's great. But I think Trey gives us the most dynamic option out there. 
All right. We are back in different clothes, different time of day. It is now Tuesday night, but we're going to finish up our draft for you guys. Um, we're going into pick number 27, but a quick update. We just learned that Anthony Rizzo signed uh, for the amount that we predicted, uh, three years, $51 million, so that's a $17 million AAV. Um, that third year being a club option with a $6 million buyout, so like a mutually beneficial deal where Rizzo's guaranteed uh, $20 million a year for two years. Um, but he's only counting as 17 um, AAV on the books, which is going to be important towards the tax, which we're going to talk about soon. Um, but Trey Turner pick number 27. Yeah, and a long-term commitment to Trey Turner um, is as good as you can have in terms of versatility for a long-term commitment for this Yankees team. Because Trey Turner, he's definitely an above-average defender, like really solid defending shortstop. For the standards of today's shortstops, you know, he's not in that, elite top five in the league kind of tier um but the thing is trey turner can give you elite second base defense he can give you really solid outfield defense his contact is going to project for years to come i think giving him an investment now you know if you come up and peraza and and or volpe are like you know that elite glove shortstop moving trade a second or moving trade to a corner outfield eventually to make room for some bats on that team over um, over the course of time, you know, we're not stuck to him just being a shortstop. And Trey Turner adds a lot contact-wise. Um, base running, you know, we've all seen those slow-mo MLB TikTok compilations of Trey Turner giving the smoothest slides. Um, he's He also adds sneaky pop for someone of his frame. Um, he really works counts from, um, from the top of the lineup. He can even hit third or fourth, like Jay Ray was saying, um, and he wouldn't stick out, which it would be crazy to have a... Aaron Judge hitting one or two and Trey Turner hitting three or four, but that's modern baseball for us right there. Absolutely. I mean, if we if we get that done, I think uh Judge and Trey Turner, I'd be happy with that offseason. I I don't think I would need anything more. So sure. speaking of, um Fangraphs roster resource has Trey Turner projected to get thirty million a year um for a total of seven years, thirty million a year for a total of two ten. Um, what do you guys think is the range for his contract? I feel like he's getting anywhere between 30 to 33 million a year AAV. Um, looking at five to eight years, six to eight, probably. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, think about the teams that are going after him Dodgers, Phillies, Cubs. We're talking about teams with a lot of money. So, uh, the price will definitely be, be going up. Yeah, I think that. The range that they have projected is pretty spot on. But like you said, um, it's going to be interesting with the market because we saw last year the the lockout impacted it in, in terms of having that hard deadline before the lockout. So we saw Seeker get the big payday. Um, but Correa, who was probably the better prospect, short, shortstop, not prospect, but um, and the better free agent year. Um, not get that security that Corey Seager did. So with the breadth of shortstops and the amount of money that teams are willing to spend right now, I, I'd be curious to see what that market looks like. Where do you see his contract ranking up next to Corey Seager? I think Corey Seager got, what, 10 years, three, 325, 320? I don't see Trey Turner getting that deal. I thought Corey Seager was vastly overpaid. Yes. I thought that was I thought that was a bit of a panic buy by the Rangers, not really understanding the market. The problem is, though, is that that contract immediately leverages the market for the other shortstops. Um, 
because Corey Seager can give you 35 to 40 home runs, which Trey Turner, I don't think he can do, but he can get close. Like he can get in the 25 to 30 homer range. That is Trey Turner pick number 27. Now we have two spots left on our roster. Both of them to pitchers. Uh, we have a starting rotation of five with Cole, Nestor, Seve, Montas, and Pablo Lopez, who we took in a trade from Miami. J-Ray, do you have a solid pick? Or do you have a definitive bullpen arm you're thinking of right now? Yeah, this one might be a, I guess maybe not a controversial one, but the last time we saw him on the mound, it, it was left with criticism. But I'm going to go with Clark Schmidt. I think this year was it was a there. pretty solid one. Yeah, so I, you know, he had a pretty solid year in the regular season. And uh, I think as Yankee fans, you know, postseason baseball is really what matters. So I think everybody was left with a bad taste in their mouth when it came to him. But I just feel like he was put into some situations that maybe he just wasn't ready for. And I think that's more on the manager than it is on him. He has the stuff that, that plays in the big leagues. I think uh, I think he, he got better this year, and I think he will continue to get better. Under the tutelage of uh, Matt Blake, I think he'll be fine. So I, I want to see Clark Schmidt on this roster. And maybe, I mean, he was a starter for a while. You know, I, maybe he'll get some uh, long innings in relief this upcoming season. Yeah, and especially without Herman, um, I can see Clark being that that sixth, that um, that swing guy that we need from time to time. You know, the pitchers will inevitably get injured. Um, you know, we can't always call up starting prospects because it doesn't always line up. You know, we're also competing for a division, so bringing in guys that aren't stretched out who who aren't major league level yet. You know, Clark, I don't think he's close a playoff game level, but he's definitely a major league cal- caliber pitcher. Um, so I think he's a valuable piece in that pen. Yeah. He was a big, t- big yeah. prospect for us too. So yeah, I, I want to see our prospects actually last with the organization and not just flame out. So I think it's essential we keep him. Yeah, there was a time he was highly touted as one of the top prospects for the Yankees for quite a bit. Um, and I do honestly see him more profiling as like a swing long reliever type rather than an actual starting pitcher. Um, but hopefully Matt Blake can continue to develop his stuff, his pitch mix, and just turn him in, like bring him to that next level to actually prove that he can, you know, make it through a lineup more than two times, or at least two to three times. And um, from there, I think he's a good guy just to have on that roster in general, and I think that they will advance him to the next level he needs to go. I have the last pick. I think you made my decision. Mm, Actually, it's tough but i'll i'll take him um he's controllable um has options even um i'm gonna go with lou trevino um getting about four million dollars uh he's on our team i think lou trevino was important for us down the stretch you know he's not gonna be the first guy you bring into a really crucial situation for us but you know considering he's our lack our last pick of this bullpen i think lou trevino really showed um, he can be very effective. He gives a little bit of that, you know, fifth, sixth inning, uh, slop up like middle relief kind of arm who can give you, you know, five or six outs maybe. Um, and I like what I saw from him this year. I, I think, you know, he was probably the better part of the Frankie Montas trade, uh, at least in terms of performance for this year, which is just crazy to say, given the upside that Frankie Montas has and the fact that we gave up some pretty top prospects. 
um, to get Frankie as a starting pitcher for us. Um, but yeah, I'm going. I'm going Lou Trevino as the the last piece in that bullpen. I mean, I'm happy with that. And Lou Trevino, like you said, he. I mean, he was very good for us this year. His numbers with Oakland not so great. He had a six point four seven ERA and a one point six six with us. So a lot of things changed when he got to the Bronx. So maybe he could continue on that track. I like that move. I'd be happy, like you said, him as our last pick for the bullpen. That just shows just how deep our our pen is. Completely agree. He was um, probably the most underrated arm for us down the stretch at the end of the year. Um, He's got a great fastball, really nice slider. I think he's just a guy that Matt Blake knew exactly what he wanted to do with him, and those results are showing off here. So some notable omissions. Um, I think had we finished this episode when we recorded on Sunday or had this happened about 12 hours earlier, I would have been leaning for Steven Ridings. Um, but today we learned that the Yankees parted ways with Steven Ridings and the Mets actually uh, picked him up off of waivers from the Yankees. So uh, Steven Ridings having that crazy upside, you know, out of nowhere. Was that? Yeah, that was the 2021 season. Um, a flash in the pan, 100 mile an hour guy. Got injured, was kind of MIA. Not really around the team or around the organization much, it seemed like, based on interviews throughout the season. There was a strange ending with Steven Ridings. Um, notable omissions also include uh, Greg Weissert, who I think um, when we inevitably have uh, reliever injuries, I think Weissert's going to be a part of this team and he has options to go up and down, which is why I went away from him and kept Trevino because um, there's a little bit more flexibility with Weissert to, to start in the minor league system. Um, and then the last guy that we we ignored here, um, which he, he might still be on the table, um, that means that we're DFAing and we're not offering an arbitration contract to Lucas Lickey. I mean, it would be nice to have another lefty, <laughs> that's for sure. But um, it's tough, man, because they didn't really use him in the playoffs from what I remember. I think a few times here and there, and it was kind of in already like cleanup time. Um, I like Litke, but I don't think there's a place for him in the format that we're using right now on this roster. Yeah, and I think I'm I'm with Jake there. That where where would you who would you rather have? I mean, who would you throw throw away for Litke then? I think that's a great segue because now we have our roster. Um, important to note the us breaking the bank on Trey Turner has put us $11 million over the 253 salary tax threshold. So we can have a few approaches. We can try and justify that, you know, having re-signing Aaron Judge, Anthony Rizzo, Trey Turner would spend a little bit of that extra tax. The way that the tax threshold works is the amount of money that you are over the tax threshold is where you get the penalty. Obviously, the, the draft picks are even across anybody who is within that same threshold. So if the Yankees are 11 million over, they're getting that extra, I think it's a 50% tax or a 75% tax in this threshold on that extra 11 million. And then when you get up to the 273, I think it's the 90%. And then there's the Cohen tax, like the, it's a one-to-one ratio. You basically pay double. Um, But yeah, let's go into, you know, who are we taking out? I say from, from this lineup, I'm going to take the liberty of making Jose Trevino our starting catcher. Yep. All right. At first base, Anthony Rizzo. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Second base, this is where it gets interesting. Um, so now our team, our infielders remaining are DJ, Trey Turner, Anthony Volpe, Oswald Peraza. We have Oswaldo Cabrera as a util option. Who do you guys think slots into second base? I'd say Peraza. See, I was leaning Volpe just because um, I heard that they were trying him out there quite a bit in the minors. Only reason I say no, Peraza I was... is because of the big league experience already. Well, I mean the little bit that he has. Are we talking about shortstop or something? second base? Yeah, you see, I, I think I would prefer Volpe there to start. I guess do we, do um, we work back from shortstop? Yeah. Yeah. Shortstop's probably the way to go, right? So mm-hmm. do we slot Trey Turner in a shortstop, or are we are we playing Peraza or Volpe there? I think I'm going. I know that their plans are to use either Volpe or Peraza for the future at short. So I feel like we kind of have to move trade at third, but we could go Volpe as well because I know they're talking about that as being a potential path for him to come up. So then, it's a tough one. So then, then for that we put Trey at second base. I don't think, I don't, I don't remember Trey Turner playing third. Um, I'm sure he can do it, but I guess Trey Turner would go second, maybe Peraza short, and then. Okay. Yeah, well, that's for that's, the future. This that's my lane. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. To start the season, I would say DJ at third. Yeah, I would say DJ mm-hmm. at third to start the season as well. Assuming he's, like, healthy, healthy. Yeah. That's true, yeah. I mean, we could, like, Volpe is young. He could come off the bench to start and then work his way in. So then we have Peraza at short. All right, and Trey Turner, our second baseman. That puts Higgy and Volpe on our bench, as well as Oswaldo Cabrera could be an outfielder. Um, Left field, I'm looking at Andrew Benintendi. Yep. Easily, yeah. Harrison Bader. Now, this is an interesting one. Do we play Corey Dickerson or Aaron Judge in right field? (laughs) (laughs) I think Dickerson might have the edge this year. I don't know, guys. I'm sure we can find a defensive metric that tells us that Corey Dickerson's a much better right fielder than Aaron Judge, if we look hard (laughs) enough. It exists. (laughs) All right, at DH, we're going to slot in Giancarlo. So that puts Corey Dickerson, and it also puts Oswaldo on our bench. Starting pitching, Garrett Cole, Nestor, and Seve are kind of built twos. Lopez is a great four. Yeah, I think Pablo Lopez slots in at the four. And then we have Frankie Montas. I think the one swing guy we have is Clark, right? Schmidt, yeah. Yeah. And then I'll go Trevino, Wandy, Armarnaccio. So now let's work backwards. Who who do we think is the closer? Loisega or Clay is where I'm sitting. The stat that J-Ray gave... About Loisica's, um, yeah, back that's to back. I think I think Clay has it until he doesn't again, which is a risky proposition to have. Yeah, no, I'm rolling with Clay. I I think I, I told Jake before um, when because you you had gotten cutting off, but I had said I think a lot of Clay Holmes' problems were mental, you know, and I think that's like ninety percent of pitching is the mental side. So if we can get 
clear clear all that up. I think he's the perfect closer for this team. So, and I think uh, he'll be fine when the season starts. So I'll roll with Clay Holmes. He was dominant, man. I can live with that. So then I'm going to slot Loisica into the setup slot, which, you know, in modern bullpens, this doesn't really exist. And then our last two are David Robertson, our new signing, and Michael King. This salary slots out to $263,900,000, putting us at $10.9 million over the limit. Honestly, I don't think I make moves. <laughs> yeah. I, I really like the lineup as it is. Um, I mean, the one person I'd explore moving is probably Montas, if I'm being honest. But, mm-hmm. like, I really don't have any complaints with going over for this roster. Yeah, my only thing with um, my only thing with Montas is is his value, and that was like it was kind of a, a begrudging pick on my part. Um, you know, like Yuendris Gomez isn't going to be available for us soon to come up. So in terms of um, low cost starting pitching, because you need like six to seven pretty solid starting options. Um, I, I think we kind of have to roll with him given how low his salary is. I think Pablo Lopez, if we can work that out, is a really good find because he's being paid nothing right now. Um, then we have a really high value uh, starting rotation. Do you guys think that um, do you guys think that Hal is going to want to go over the tax threshold? Do you think he's willing to? I, I I think he would love to refrain from it, but I feel like over the last couple of years since 2017, the way we've uh, gotten bounced from the playoffs, I feel like we have no choice. You you have to you have to spend money to win sometimes, and uh, I think we need to revert back to old ways. Go back and have a 09 like off season. Spend that money. Show the city. Show your team that you're serious about winning too, and you're going to bring in top end talent to do it. Because you know, we can't keep playing with with house money. That the baby bombers era ended already. That's that's over. You know, 2017 was nice. We lost. We're like, okay, wait till next year. Well, next year wasn't good enough. And then 2019, we got bounced again. 2020 should have been the year we're like all in. You know, we, we didn't swing it. We didn't swing for Manny Machado. We didn't swing for Bryce Harper. And now we got a chance to get a guy like Trey Turner. Yes, this is an offseason where I see how having to go over that. Yeah, I think he realizes that's the only way to truly retain Judge and then also make the team better at the same time. Yeah, I'm with you guys. And, and Jake, like you said, looking at this, I don't know that I make any changes because – I'm starting to eyeball, okay, where do we have the flexibility? Um, where we can go? How do we shed that $11 million? I think that comes in the form of... Um, so we assume that we're keeping about half of Donaldson's contract and also dumping off Herman. I think the only way we get a team to take on Donaldson's full contract without taking on at least $10 million in return is if we give a high-level prospect. And I think that high-level prospect is like Volpe, Dominguez, maybe Everson Pereira. Um, And I don't think that's worth it. I'd rather pay the tax on the 10 million. They're not, yeah, they're not going to give up Volpe or Peraza for just a dump. I I don't think that's how they value them. Yeah, that it would be negligent at that point. And then otherwise I'm looking at like, you know, Corey Dickerson. I'm like, okay, maybe we can shed, 8 million, you know, a bench outfield bat, 
But then we look at our, our minor league options. Um, do we trust Estevan Florial's bat? You know, is Oswaldo Carrera just our utility outfielder? And at that point, I think a championship team is really missing a bat like Corey Dickerson. J Ray, I thought that was a great pickup off the, off the free agent market. Because um, I inevitably, you know, we've seen Brett Gardner as as our fourth outfielder and Aaron Hicks play like 120 games in a season. And we don't plan for it, but it happens. And I don't know that I want to run based on what we've seen from Esteban Florial. Um, I don't know that I want to run him out there as our fourth outfielder. So I, I think I'm confident with the value that Corey Dickerson provides. I don't know there's a way to shed underneath this 263 salary. Yeah, I don't think so either. I mean, like, like you said, uh, we've had times where we're rolling out with Brett Gardner and Aaron Hicks. So having a guy like Corey Dickerson, a consistent bat, would be nice. So I, I'm content with the the way we have this roster situated. Obviously, like Jake, I'm not too fond of Frankie Montes at all. As I mentioned, I don't really see this guy as a Yankee, but partially that could just be because, you know, we didn't see too much of him down the stretch. But uh, I love the roster the way it's set. I'm cool with it. Yeah. Do we want to trade him? Do you guys want to entertain a trade? <laughs> We're kind of hating on Frankie Montas. Right <laughs> Get some prospects for him at least. Yeah. Who do we think? Or yeah, do do we trade and shed his salary and and say f it, we're going over the tax. Let's get a pitcher. Could do that. We could do I that. I wouldn't be mad. What pitcher? Are we going Death Star? I think we have to. Are you gonna say Verlander? I don't think we can go Verlander. <laughs> yeah, no, it's too much. <laughs> How about um, Ross Stripling? Ross Stripling, what's his projected AAV? Eleven. Hmm. Good question. Uh, roster resource has him at a two-year, twenty-two million dollar deal. Honestly, I like that deal. I think I really like that deal. There you go. Did not get a qualifying offer. So is is that our last moves? We sign Ross Tripling, trade away Frankie Montas for for some prospects, just a salary dump. Yeah, let's put a bow on it. Why right. not? And that's only a net four million increase. So. Jake, that's going to be your pick. Pick number I'll 30, wrapping it up. Easy. I'm trying to see any other starters out there. I mean, Michael Waka isn't a bad fifth starter. Yeah. Michael Waka is such an interesting character. He, what were his... Yes, yeah, very. What, what was his ERA and, ending up at last year? He was 11-2 and two with a 3.32 ERA last season. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's credit to boston I, I i didn't i didn't expect that he, he won a couple of games for me for fantasy baseball this year all right so the yankees opening day 26 men finalized sending this to brian cashman now all the contracts are written we've talked to all the agents we made it very easy yeah at catcher we got jose torino returning to the team Anthony Rizzo confirmed signing on. That's the one thing we can actually say is set in stone. Uh, he's got our three-year, $51 million deal with a club option for the third year. We're signing Trey Turner. Ooh, what's our what's our final contract on Trey? Like eight years, 31 per, 30 per? Yeah. yeah. All right, Trey Turner's our second baseman. Oswald Peraza is our shortstop. DJ LeMahieu is our third baseman. Andrew Benatendi returns after his trade from last year at left field. Harrison Bader in center. And 
big 99 Aaron Judge patrolling right field for the rest of our lives. Uh, John Carlos Stanton slotting in at DH again. We got Higgy as per usual on the bench catching. Then we got Volpe making the roster. Corey Dickerson from St. Louis and Oswaldo Cabrera, our util option. Our starting rotation goes Cole, Nestor, Sevi, Pablo Lopez, and Ross Stripling. Pablo Lopez via a trade um, in which we give away Glaber Torres to Miami. And Ross Stripling comes off the free agent market. Uh, Clark Schmidt being our swingman. Our relief pitchers, the rest of the bullpen, including Lou Trevino, Wandy Peralta, Ron Marinaccio, David Robertson returning to the Bronx, Michael King when he's back from his injury, Johnny Lasagna, and Clay Holmes closing it out. How do you guys feel about the 2023 Yankees? I like that. I love that. Great vibes. I'm still iffy about the fifth starter spot. I just, I don't know. That, yeah. That's the one place where I think we could improve. Mike Clevenger is also available. Just going to toss that but, name out. I, I, I think Clevenger is very close to the end, honestly. As you a think player. so? Um, yeah, his stuff just isn't there anymore. The one thing is that I think he can be similar to – he doesn't have quite the injury reputation that Tyone did. But Tyone we got for nothing because we, it, we took such a flyer on him. Mm-hmm. I could see that – Clevenger's injuries hindering his contract to to where we can get a similar deal as we did for Tyone. I mean, he could definitely be a reclamation project, but I don't know. I don't. I wouldn't be shelling out a relatively large contract for him. Oh yeah, absolutely. Maybe like a one year prove it deal, if that. One year, eight eight million, maybe. Yeah, six five, maybe. Hmm. Maybe like started like five with incentives, you know. Yeah. So that way, like. If he makes, you know, 20 starts, he gets X amount plus. Yep, we'll see how it goes. And if we start making big moves and we go full Death Star, I'm all in. This is not my money. So (laughs) spend it. (laughs) This multi-billion dollar corporation that controls my emotions half of the year. Yeah. (laughs) We're just third places. (laughs) All right. I think that's all from us. Uh, thank you, Jake. Thank you, Jay Ray, for hopping on. Of course. This is a really good exercise. Um, and this is our roster. So Brian Cashman is going to be listening to our instructions. Um, thank you guys for joining us again. Another long episode. I'll probably cut it up a little bit. Um, but this is our 2023 offseason preview. And we're going to get this out. And of, sort, of course, the stove is going to be cooking in the next two weeks. It's going to be going crazy, hopefully. That'll bring some attention to baseball. We'll get a bunch of news. We'll hop on. We'll give our thoughts. We'll give some more previews, maybe play some more games with some more guests. Um, Jay Ray, I'm sure we'll see you around soon. Definitely. And yeah, any closing thoughts from you guys? Not, thank you guys for having me on. You guys know I love to talk sports and Yankees. So anytime you guys want me to hop on, I'll be right back. Yeah, thanks for coming in, Jay Ray. That's It was just really fun to do this little, little assignment and um, – Trying to get the Yankees back on track. <laughs> of course. All right. Again, you can follow us on Instagram at Pinstripe Pulse Pod, on Twitter at Pinstripe underscore Pulse. I'm going to be sending some clips from our uh, first few episodes going out there soon. We'll also be sharing some of the news. So follow us on Instagram, um, see some of the free agent deals. Make sure to rate us on Spotify if you can to listen, like and comment on YouTube, the whole thing. Share with your friends, share with our friends. And thanks for coming. See ya. Peace.